All right. BradCooney.com in association with HCN Networks is, as always, absolutely honored to have on board Congressman Greg Harper. Congressman, thank you so much for once again joining us. Brad, it's always great to, to join you and get the chance to visit with you, but I'm going to have to ask for your, your prayers now. A week ago, uh, this past Saturday, my, my daughter got engaged, so you need to need to pray for me, okay? I'm going to pray for you. I can relate to that. I have two of my own, um, uh, so I, I fully understand where you're coming from on that. Um, well, I, I, I learned in, in about a week and a half, don't, don't even bother using the word budget. <laughs> just, uh, just hold on, you know. So I, w- I was told I had three responsibilities. Show up, pay up, and shut up. So I think that's uh, that's pretty much where we are right now. There you go. And I'm sure that the, the future family member will understand that you have some connections in high places in this country, so you better behave yourself. Well, we certainly believe that fear <laughs> is a great motivator. You're, you're right, Brad. So, uh, but, uh, but it's really always good to visit with you right. and, and get the, uh, appreciate the opportunity to get to... Yeah, yeah, and you know what? I want to. I want to. I got a couple things to discuss, um, but I want to jump to the front of the line. This fast track trade votes that are going on right now—it's a really important thing. And you know, for people who aren't really dialed into this, it's kind of a strange thing because you have people like Nancy Pelosi um, that are that are shooting this thing down, which people aren't used to when it comes to President Obama's um, wishes and desires. Um, and there's some Republicans that that want this to happen. So, can you clear that up for us? Yeah. That, that- the, the real issue here is that, uh, and I think I speak for most Republicans here, because we've been very disappointed in, in this president, sure. his administration, and his positions and policies. And it's a really weird situation and feeling to say, I'm actually supporting the position uh, that the president uh, supports, but I, I understand that even a broken clock is right twice a day. Okay, so, <laughs> right. so if the president came out and said, I'm in favor of Keystone XL, pipeline or drilling in Anwar and uh, Alaska, we're going to be right there with him on that particular issue. Sure. Uh, so so I, I think when you look at the dynamics of what took place last week and what's still hanging out there, uh, it's gotten very confusing. Uh, even to those of us that are here, you have to kind of sift through it. But, uh, but the thing I like about, uh, you know, the way you approach things, Brad, on your show is, you know, you're just wanting to get to the truth, get the facts. You know, you're not sugarcoating it or twisting it. Right. But what we saw out there uh, and still see is you had the, the labor unions that were really uh, twisting in the wind a little bit, and they were in a situation where they were uh, having their uh, folks call in espousing uh, what really were conservative principles in, in some ways, and, uh, and they're completely opposed uh, to it. You had uh, some others that were opposed to it because they had been told that uh, this was uh, a vote on TPP, the trade, uh, the Trans-Pacific uh, Partnership, and it's not. And and so we saw headlines last week that said uh, Ryan, meaning Paul Ryan, admits uh, that we have to pass it to find out what's in it, kind mm-hmm. of a throwback to the right. Obamacare vote when Nancy Pelosi said we have to pass it to find out what's in it. Right. The difference here is the, uh, the it on the first it is different than the second it. And that in that headline that we saw that he says you have to pass it, meaning TPA, mm-hmm. in order to find out what's in it, meaning TPP, which was not voted on and won't be voted on for some time. 
and so it, it, it was a very misleading deal. So uh, we have to we have to look at a couple of things here. Uh, what we had was trade promotion authority. It was what we voted on and what passed the House last week. This thing's still not done because of the the TAA, the, the uh, Trade Assistance uh, Program that's in there, and that's that still remains to be to be dealt with. But what I what I want us to keep in mind is this: is you've got a lot of folks out there that are saying, "Well, this is gonna uh, this is just gonna give the president the authority on TPP," and there's secret stuff in there and things that are there. The, the, the situation is such that TPP, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, would under this trade agreement of TAA and TPA would mean that it had to be available, the text of the trade agreement would have to be available to the public for at least 60 days before Congress could approve it. Okay. And that really didn't make the news very much or that explanation uh, get out there. Um, one thing to keep in mind is this, Brad, nothing stops the president from negotiating a trade agreement at any time, mm-hmm. uh, even without TP, TPA, Trade Promotion Authority. That's one reason that we think that TPA, Trade Promotion Authority, is so important because it does give some accountability to the administration and ensures some effective oversight uh, during the negotiations or through that process uh, that you're not going to have without it. Uh, for instance, um, it with without TPA, we have no ability to direct any of the negotiating objectives. But with TPA, we we do. It also without TPA, Congress. You know, me as a member, for instance, Brad, I'm I wouldn't be entitled to read the negotiating text. But hmm. with it, I do have that ability. Uh, and we also have the, the public, the, the text being made available to the public for 60 days before uh, consenting. And Congress would actually have the final say on the agreement. And uh, I think it gives us some, uh, it, it empowers Congress uh, to kind of balance that in case the, uh, the president goes, uh, you know, uh, goes off on us in some way. I also want us to remember that the first real free trade agreement was done by a guy named Ronald Reagan. Mm-hmm. And the Trade Promotion Authority is something that every president for more than 50 years, Republicans or Democrats, have had the authority uh, to do. And this TPA, this Trade Promotion Authority, uh, isn't just for President Obama. I mean, this thing lasts three years. It can be renewed later for an additional, uh, I believe, three years. And we're hopeful that we're going to elect a Republican president in 2016 to take office in 2017. And that person, that if it's a Republican president, is going to need that authority. We don't want to have to go wondering where it is or if you're going to get it. Uh, and we're, we're, we believe it's something this is worth uh, fighting for. Uh, we... Um, we have 5% of the world's customers in the United States. Wow. And if, if we're going to do business with the rest of the world, we've got to set the standard and set what we're going to do. Uh, because if we don't do this, particularly uh, when it look, you look at Asia and the Pacific uh, region, then China's already ramping up and stepping up uh, from a trade perspective. And it needs to be the United States, not 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 communist China that's uh, that's taken the lead on this. That's good stuff. So, 
basically this is just one of those fluke things where it's it's just it's just the right thing the Republicans believe for the country, not so much siding with Obama because that's a rare thing that doesn't really happen much with yeah, the GOP. Until that point, right? That right. <laughs> You're right. This, yeah. This is what uh, you know. I believe, and I think most people, uh, I think uh, no doubt, most Americans would uh, would believe that trade is a, is a good thing and it helps create jobs, gives us business opportunities that we would have. I mean, we've been, uh, you know, uh, we've been doing trade with other countries for as long as we've been a country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and we need to make sure uh, that we do what we can do to, you know, and I think Congress, uh, I think what we try to do on the Republican side is to put the politics aside and listen to what folks uh, like. And, and I I'm actually just came into my office and I've got a... Uh, uh, some letters that were, you know, email letters that were put on my desk that we got uh, thanking us for voting for TPA. One was from the Business Roundtable. Mm. Another was from the American Forest and Paper Association. We got stuff from the, uh, you know, from the ag community. Uh, you know, they're, they're just, and those are not entities or organizations. Those are the jobs. Right, those are jobs. Employee and, right. Uh, you got to have that opportunity. You know, my, my congressional district in Mississippi is the number one poultry and egg producing congressional district in the United States. Mm. And you you can't do everything you need to do or uh, employ the people you need to if you close markets. And we believe this is something that needs uh, needs to take place. And uh, there's still some things to work out. I believe that there will be a push to, to get this through, but I, it's, it's hard to tell you at this moment what that vehicle would be, uh, but it is, uh, you know, it, it's interesting that, I, that almost every Democrat uh, voted against this. I know, this you is know, confusing. Pelosi, I mean, we're dying in the ditch of this, and, and the reason is they are very uh, beholding to their constituency, which in this case would be uh, the labor unions. Right. Absolutely. All right. Well, I, I wanted to, to to get to the bottom of that because there, I had some people, you know, that, that knew I was, that, that you were coming on board that wanted me to talk about this, and and there was some confusion, of course, whenever Nancy Pelosi and President Obama are not, you know, lockstep and, and foot with one another. It's just kind of a, you know, what's going on with that? So I'm yeah, glad to clear that up. Probably either way, if I'm agreeing with either one of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. All right, so it's a little uh, bit of a heartburn, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's move on. Uh, let, let's talk about this. This um, there's, there's a lot of uh, good, strong Republicans that threw their name in the hat for the election for the for the presidential yeah. election. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on on how do you see the field shaping up so far? I know we're we're, we're still a little bit early, but it's getting closer. Um, so what do you what do you feel? How do how do you feel? Um, what kind of shape are we in with the candidates that threw their name in there so far? Well, Brad, uh, first of all, uh, let me let me say that I think it's appropriate now on your show that I announce that I will not be a candidate for president <laughs> in 2016. All right. Well, you know what? What would be great is when the day comes, if the day comes that you are, it would be great if you could announce it here instead of one of the big networks. <laughs> you would be, you would be first. Okay? That's awesome. Uh, but uh, I would, uh, you know, I, I think last count I had, and, and I hope I'm not missing any, but I think I counted uh, not too long ago that there were there were seventeen yep. that either had announced or indicated that they will announce. 
Uh, and that's incredible. And the, the really good thing on this, I think, from the Republican standpoint, is even though there may be a little, you know, nipping at the hills uh, among the candidates, most of them seem to be focused on on attacking Hillary and her position and her yep. history. I see that too. And not on each other, which is a winning strategy if you can pull that off. Um, and I think that we, we indicate that it shows that we have a deep bench, and that's a good thing. And you have represented among those 17 uh, the entire spectrum of political beliefs on the Republican side. And, and I think what you do when you see that, the Democrats talk about we're the party of the big tent and, and inclusive. That is, as my late papa would say, that's how lies started. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they're very restricted and there's their litmus test after everything. And, and I, that's one thing that's, that's helped our party grow. And I think the reason we're in charge in the, the House and the Senate is, yeah, we may not agree with you on everything, uh, but we can work together on enough that uh, we could make this a team sport. So as you look at who's there, Brad, uh, you know, and, and understand I, I haven't endorsed anybody. Right. This is just my taking my member of Congress hat off and doing this as a political junkie who's been involved in lots of races since I was in college until now. Uh, you know, I, I think you'd have to say your your first tier today, and my, you know, in my opinion, may change by breakfast. But today, I would say Scott Walker, Marco Rubio, and Jeb Bush would be your top tier. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Then there's a group uh, uh, below that that are all very qualified uh, that you may see some stuff out of. Uh, John Kasich, the governor of Ohio. Uh, some people in the primary may have heartburn that he, uh, you know, approved the Medicaid expansion. But we know this. He's very, he's a very conservative guy. He was the uh, chairman of the House Budget Committee, 88 to 98, when the last time we had a real bud- uh, balanced budget, he was the guy driving it. Uh, you know, they tried to give Clinton all this credit, but it wouldn't have happened without, without John Kasich. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you cannot win the presidency without Florida and In Ohio. Ohio. We've got to have Ohio. It's still a player. And so yeah. you look at Wisconsin, Ohio, Florida, those are important. And keep in mind that both Ohio and Florida move their primary dates out far enough where it's winner take all. Mm. And uh, that changes the dynamics. Kasich, if, assuming he's in the in the race uh, at that point, he's going to get all of these. He's going to win Ohio, win those votes. And, uh, and then Florida... I believe it's March 8th, if I recall uh, correctly, on their primary. And at that point, Rubio or Bush will be looking really good, and the other one will probably have a difficult time recovering. Uh, So uh, who's got staying power? Uh, You know, certainly you have, uh, I mean, uh, Donald Trump's not going to run out of money, okay? Mm -hmm. (laughs) No. Uh, So... uh, but, uh, but Trump, uh, and then today, I think he said his running mate would be Oprah if he could handpick. So he's not a credible candidate. Uh, you know, you know what concerns me though, Congressman. The country's so so tired and and just weary of the last six years. A lot of the country is anyway. The right side of it is um, that some of the things that Donald Trump says actually does resonate with people because of the fact that they're so just tired and, and, and just beat up by, by politics and 
and I'm afraid it might split some votes. I'm afraid it might. Do you see where I'm going with that? Yeah, and look, and I think that's uh, you know everybody who's running they can right will always run against Washington. You're right. You know, I, I, when I was running, I did. Sure. You know, I mean that's uh, everybody, and, and then you know you you get up here and you are in Washington. It just so it changes the dynamics of it. But the governors have the ability to pull that off. Uh, you know, you you look. I think in Mississippi and a lot in the southeast, there's a personal affinity for for Mike Huckabee. Uh, just cause he's just genuinely a nice guy. Mm-hmm. You have, uh, you know, you certainly have others that uh, that you know people get inspired when they listen to them, but they're they may not be electable in a general. And so we that's the thing we have to do is, uh, you know, Brad. I don't agree with myself a hundred percent. Yeah, I, 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 I hear you. So, I hear you. So I think what we've got to do is make sure that we're we're really smart on how we do this. Let's select, nominate a November winner. It's got to be and exactly. It may not be perfect, but let's get the person who's qualified, who can withstand the heat, and who can attract. You cannot win without attracting independent voters. Right. Who is that? And and that's up for grabs right now. And I think. Uh, as you look at some of the polling numbers you see, uh, you know, it's uh, it's a dogfight. There's no real clear-cut person right now. And, and I'll go back with what you said. It, it's still a little early, uh, but it is already the top mm-hmm. hot discussion. Mm-hmm. And, and it's going to be fun. And, and I do believe we can elect a Republican president. And, you know, whoever that nominee is, we're going to be fully behind. And whoever it is has to be able to beat which looks like it's going to be Hillary Clinton. I mean, there's nobody that's. That, I mean, Bernie Sanders has stepped up, and then Chafee, but they're not going to. They're not going to be the nominee of the Democratic Party. It's going to be Hillary Clinton. So whoever the Republicans nominate or the people nominate, um, vote for. It has to be someone who can defeat Hillary Clinton, and like you said, get independent votes. And they're going to have to flip, maybe even flip a state blue to red. Um, my thing is, whoever it is also has to be able to go after Clinton, and, like, and that's going to segue right into my next thing. Hillary Clinton is running, I mean, from the media like like the media is the plague right now. She won't do, she won't do interviews. She announced like over what is it, almost two months ago or a month and a half or two months ago that she's running for president. Will not do interviews. She has this the the email server thing looking at her. She has the of course the Benghazi thing, the Clinton Foundation's being. You know, um, suspected of taking monies from foreign governments, which is which is not legal. Uh, talk about that a little bit, because that, that's a lot of meat right there for a Republican candidate to go after. I, I think that um, there are people willing to maybe um, marginalize their own conscience uh, to maybe vote for a particular candidate that. Um, you know, how can she, she is yet to explain herself. Exactly. And you cannot do that by going radio silence. And it, it does appear she's, if you don't have anything to cover up, then, then come clean. Just tell us the truth. We have yet to hear the truth on Benghazi. And, and that's, that's, look, the email server deal, uh, I mean, come on. That's she's crazy. Smart. She's a smart lady. She knew you're not supposed to do that. But that's one thing, Brad. 
no Americans died as a result of the server. Right. But they did die as a result of what happened in Benghazi. And, and they deserve to know, and we all deserve to know what happened. And, and uh, I, I think that that's going to be really hard for her to overcome with independent voters. Uh, and it's almost, you know, it reminds me of George Orwell's book, uh, you know, Animal Farm, when they did the Animal Commandments. Yeah. And then, yeah. then they came, the pigs came in and changed the one that said all animals are equal. Right. Some animals are more equal than others. And, uh, you know, there's there's almost an entitlement uh, perception that we're picking up. And uh, it's, it's going to be an interesting race. I, I really don't know that I see the fire in her belly when I see her out there on the campaign trail. She's trying. Yeah. But uh, I, I, I don't know. You know, O'Malley, uh, is he a viable candidate? It's hard to tell right now in that regard. But uh, she's going to be really, uh, she's going to have to withstand a lot. Uh, I, it, part of me wishes that uh, there were 17 Democrats running yep. so we could enjoy their circular firing squad. Right. Uh, but uh, at the same time, she's going to, her, her numbers are going to be, I think, greatly diminished as she goes through and, and that's why it's just critical that we have somebody who can articulate a vision for our country and what's important. Uh, and, you know, Brad, I just, uh, I made a, uh, a missile defense uh, trip to uh, uh, Asia and the Pacific uh, where we hit military, uh, probably 20-plus military installations, the radar, you know, top-secret radar and things that are there. And I came back with a lot of... Um, uh, encouragement from the young men and women that are doing their job for our country, mm-hmm. serving in, the, in our armed services, but also came back with a pretty big fear of China and the fact that we are scaling back to pre World War II numbers, and uh, you can't do that. We're gonna ha- if we're gonna be the leader, it's not only the leader in the world on trade, but militarily we've got to be strong because uh, we have allies in the region that are afraid of what China is doing and wondering under this administration if we're there for them. Yeah, the China's building man-made islands in the China Sea right yeah. now. That's, and they're arming them. And, and uh, There's no doubt what they're for. They're for their biggest uh, military plane. Uh, no doubt. So, and that goes back again to so whoever... Whoever the Republican nominee is, um, it's going to be really important that that person drives home and gets through the American people of how, how diminished our military has has become over the over the past six years. Yeah. Um, Do you think Russia would have gone into Ukraine if Ronald Reagan? Had no, been come on, no way. Not a chance. No way. Uh, I, I served in the Navy under Ronald Reagan. Very proud to say that. Um, thank you for your service, Brad. That's incredibly special. And I thank you for what you do to, to, for, our, for our veterans, too. Um, so respect is mutual. Now let's talk about ISIS. Um, it's, it's just terrifying to me that we don't have a strategy to defeat these people. Um, he's, President Obama just said he's going to send over an additional 450 American troops, which... It just doesn't make any sense to me, those kind of... Weren't he trying to get us out of Iraq? Yeah, what happened to that? <laughs> what happened? The real, the real question here, and the, what the media should be drilling home, is how we had a stable situation that Obama has completely let collapse. Yep. And he, 
cannot answer for that. He was so interested in telegraphing what they were going to do and so desperate to get out that, uh, you know, we, this, is his, this is his mess. He wishes he could bury his head in the sand for the next 18 months and not deal with it. Uh, but this is, this is a, a really, um, you look at what's happening, you know, first of all, in Syria, there are no, we have no good options. There are no good players in Syria. Uh, the Kurds are, are fighting. But we're in a situation where Iran is fighting ISIS, and this is not, these are not good options. It's just a question of which militant group is going to assume control, none of which are really our friends. And uh, there is no real clear strategy that I see uh, for us dealing with ISIS or Al-Qaeda or, or the Taliban. Uh, but, it, it, but it's very frightening when what you see, uh, it's there. And you begin with making sure you've equipped your military with the best uh, technology where you need to be. And you cannot negotiate with this group. That's we're not. We don't need to, to sit there and talk. We need to obviously take the appropriate action. Absolutely. All right. Last thing I wanted to touch on. I know you're busy. Um, Obamacare. Obamacare premiums are, as predicted, they're starting to, to shoot up. Some states are looking at yeah. 30 percent increases. Premium. I mean, I've seen one was over. I think almost co- close to forty percent. I forgot which state it was. Um, what's that's, that's just now. We're forgetting they've already had a round of increases. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is, um, this is an ongoing problem. It hasn't really settled in yet as to what's going to happen. And keep in mind that the U.S. Supreme Court could decide as early as tomorrow uh, the King versus Burwell case, uh, which uh, subsidies could completely uh, collapse Obamacare. And then you have a host of issues. And we've, we've got a number of uh, Republican uh, alternatives that are out there to kind of create that bridge and get to where you need to go to uh, to help the market recover, the insurance, health insurance market, uh, to make sure that we're uh, remembering that the purpose of this is not for the government to take over total control of our health care, but to help people, uh, you know, get good medical care. Right, right, right. And, and we're, we've kind of created this extra buffer zone between the patient and the doctor in the form of, of this garbage that's called Obamacare. So the GOP representative, whoever whoever the nominee is, um, it's really important that they have a plan in place that's better than, than this disaster we yeah, have now. And, and if, if it collapses as early as tomorrow, uh, you know, of course, if it's upheld, then we're we're stuck with it. We continue on. But if it's uh, if it is struck down by the uh, U.S. Supreme Court. There already are several bills that are out there now because you can't wait two years to to, to prepare something. Right. So uh, I know Senator Richard Burr and uh, Orrin Hatch have bills on the Senate side. Uh, our Energy and Commerce Chairman Fred Upton uh, has a uh, Patient Care Act that addresses some of these issues. We also have some physicians uh, in the House, like Dr. Phil Rowe from Tennessee has introduced uh, one. Dr. Tom Price from Georgia has one. And these are things that really, I think, would put us in the right uh, direction. And, of course, uh, any plan would repeal uh, Obamacare's uh, you know, $1.2 trillion in tax rates. And, uh, you know, I, I think most people would agree, Republican or Democrat, 
uh, you do have to address pre-existing uh, conditions. Yeah. And most most people like knowing that their child can have coverage through age 26. Uh, but guess what? We would have done all that back in 2010 when they ran this down our throats. Uh, instead of having to do those a few points that people did like, and instead they had to take over the entire healthcare system with what they did. So I, I'm already seeing some things uh, on the Republican side on these alternatives that uh, would help with Medicaid and Medicare, uh, you know, medical malpractice reform and some uh, market-driven uh, solutions to actually allow people to uh, have the ability to, to buy. You know, there's, a, there's some issues buying insurance across state lines. Well, that there shouldn't be that kind of problem. That would give you a chance to be a little more competitive, and that would have a, a probably a pretty quick, uh, you know, price adjustment downward if you were able to pull that off. So I think we've got things there we can talk about and come back to. It is the president's really only signature uh, legislation that's out there, I think, um, and we'll, we'll see where we go from there. Okay, last thing I got. Um, yeah. Last thing. Um, this 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 election is so 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 big. This this presidential election. Can you offer any encouraging words to conservatives, American conservatives out there, that are just feeling hopeless at this point that we can actually win this thing uh, in 2016? And because we're not going to get the much of the media's help, yeah. we know how that works. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you and know, we're dependent upon one another. Right. To make sure, we get the right uh, the right message out there. I, I would say one thing. Keep in mind. We deal with this all the time. Everybody does. There are so many outside third-party groups that have to have chaos in order to raise money. So you get your dire right. uh, letters and news reports and calls and all that, or they're, they're scoring votes. Uh, here's, you know, so you know, sometimes uh, if somebody has a question, pick up and call your congressman's office. Ask them about it. Most of the staffers in these congressional offices know as much as, as the congressman mm -hmm. does, and they can answer a specific question. So it's really incumbent that we look beyond the 30-second soundbite that you see on the news or uh, may appear on something uh, and, and realize that how have the, how have the liberals beat us over? because they've understood incrementalism. If they knew where they wanted to go and they could only get one step there today, they'd take it and go on. Sometimes, you know, I mean, look, we want it all. And we want it all right now. We want to achieve what we want to do legislatively, and we throw a lot of Hail Marys, but rarely are those successful. So we need to make sure we know where we're going, what our direction is, and if we can take a couple of steps that way, let's take it, reload, Let's keep going and, and keep moving towards where we where we need to go. But let's not, you know, we, we get a lot of naysayers out there. The fact is we are the greatest country in the history of the world. We are still number one in the world. And nobody does it better than we do. Everybody would love to live here and live with the freedoms that we have. And I believe that we're committed and people in this country are committed. The military is committed to protecting us. And I think we've got everything here. And let's remember, life, liberty, and happiness. Mm -hmm. no, life, liberty, and the pursuit of mm -hmm. happiness. Everybody has an equal opportunity here. No excuses. We can all do this. All right. Congressman, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Always a pleasure, man. Um, My too, Brad. Uh, have us back on sometime. Absolutely. Take care. I really appreciate you. Okay. Thanks.
Take care. Talk to you.